Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I'm the Reverend in Fuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Show's namesake, BJ Shea, is on assignment. Running the boards is Joey D's. Hey. On today's show, we're going to get cheesy. I talk with Jason Anarchy from Jason Anarchy Games about his new Kickstarter game, Cheese Factory. Pretty awesome. We'll also get into a little bit of Stranger Things and, of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Get our blogs, podcasts, and more. Or, you know, just search BJ's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Yeah, and if you want to send us an email, bjgeeknation at gmail.com. Well, we'll read your email, possibly, if it's a good question or maybe some feedback. Let us know what you think, or uh, maybe uh, a geek sheet in past is something that uh, you want to add to. Mm-hmm. We definitely welcome that. Also, just any sort of commenting or messaging via our social media as well. Uh, a great person that I did meet via social media and have seen a lot of times is Mr. Jason Anarchy. So let's talk with him about his newest venture. With me today is one of my favorite indie game designers because not only is he a wonderfully nice Canadian, he's also got the best biceps in the business. It's Jason Anarchy from Jason Anarchy Games. Tons of games out there, but very, very well known for the Drinking Quest series. How are you doing today, Jason? Uh, I'm very good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really, really stoked to have you for this because you've done some co- uh, collaborations in the last couple of years with some really cool people, and this is a return to that and very interesting idea design. All of your they always come from kind of an interesting place, but now you're looking to make a game about making cheese. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so yeah, I teamed up with uh, Tiny Snack Comics, who's got a pretty popular web comic. Um, and we did a game a few years ago called Heck, and there was this uh, piece of art in the game that had a bunch of uh, snakes in a cheese factory uh, for some reason. <laughs> and that, that was a really strong piece of art, and it was really funny. Um, but there was one throwaway gag um, that uh, Alex, who does Tiny Snack, he drew in this sign in the background, like this fake safety sign that said, uh, it has been zero days since a cheese fire. <laughs> and uh, and I, I always I always like that. And I'm like, okay, so our next game ended up being called Cheese Factory. And you're making a cheese factory and making all these different kinds of cheese. Uh, but you're also starting cheese fires to sabotage your opponents. Um, so it, uh, it, it can satisfy that urge for some of the, the more vindictive players out there. That's fantastic. I know because with BJ on our show, he has his board game nemesis. And, you know, they'll play all the time, but Sean's whole objective when he's playing against BJ is to screw over BJ. So the the whole cheese fire aspect seems to really lean into that. He, he seems like the kind of person who might like a little bit of cheese arson, yeah. <laughs> so right right now, Cheese Factory is up on Kickstarter going until July 14th. It's really simple to find. I mean, you can go to Jason Anarchy Games to get all the information, but also just search for it on Kickstarter. If you follow Jason at all on any social media, you've been blasting it out. And that was the fun part, too, was to see both you and Tiny Snack Comics uh, start to do the promotion beforehand. And it was very confusing when you're like, when the, the comics are like do you like cheese do you like board games why not both (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's been a lot of fun to promote this stuff there's so many uh just great comedy beats in the game and uh 
we can you know choose basically anything and it makes a good social media post so yeah it's been a lot of fun to get all that out there one of my favorite things also is just the 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 simple fact of having a kickstarter game you've been doing this for a while and you've done a lot of kickstarter projects and every time it's been fulfilled you've you're really good with communication and just getting that stuff out there and then even if somehow somebody misses it they can head over to your site and they can find a lot of those games games out there now and they can still pick those up and i mean you're still doing like re-releases or bundles with some of your older games as well so that's really kind of a cool aspect of that like it's a lot of worry free stuff that's going on when you're putting it out there because you know you're gonna get the product it's really i mean that's a really awesome aspect of it man yeah absolutely thank you so much yeah it's uh you know people are willing to uh support my my ridiculous and silly ideas on Kickstarter, I want to make sure that they have a good experience and that they come back for more. Absolutely. And now it's already been funded, so congratulations to that aspect. But of course, Thank it's you. Kickstarter, so you got to do some stretch goals. What are some of those fun stretch goals that you've got? Okay, yeah. So the game has uh, four main chefs, and they're all these kind of off-brand looking derpy animals. So we're adding four new main chef cards, and those are all easy stretch goals. And we've got two of those unlocked already. Um, and then we'll be adding like, uh, you know, box upgrades, make the game nicer and add extra stuff. Um, but then this isn't public yet. There will be, uh, we're going to add a, a deck of blank cards so you can make your own cheese in your own machine nice. and add them into the game. So it's like, you know, if you're playing against the gaming nemesis, you could make the, uh, you know, screw you Trevor machine or something <laughs> like that. You know, it could be, uh, you know, you can put in your own inside jokes and make your own ridiculous cheeses and it'll, uh, fit alongside perfectly with everything else. And now let's get into a little bit of the gameplay now because this is an engine building game and you have a certain amount yeah. of actions to go for each turn out of different decks because you've got the craft deck, the recipe deck, and then the machine deck as well. So there's different ways that you can build cheese to uh, achieve your uh, uh, cheese victory. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah, so it's a it's an engine building game where you're just basically creating all these different machines, uh, and it's very much entry level. So you should be able to learn and play it in the same night, which is usually what I go for with my games. Um, so yeah, on your turn you've got three actions, and you can choose to make a new machine, or you can take an ingredient that you want from the market. Uh, or once you have the ingredients, then you can actually make the cheese. Then you win when you get twenty cheese points. Um, and a lot of the fun just comes from you know what is your factory going to look like? Which machines do you have? What do they do? What is your strategy? So there's always new opportunities for strategy every time. It always plays out really differently. Um, and I wanted to have something like that that you didn't have to read a textbook to learn how to play first. That's a really good point with all of your things, too, because even with something like some of your older games, especially like with Drinking Quest, it's one of those things that they come in usually small, uh, packageable product that you can just carry around with you if you've got like a backpack or uh, or anything along those lines. Not even a huge backpack, just like a small bag, even a fanny pack for uh, some aspects of it. And <laughs> you can take it to you uh, to, you know, the local restaurant, bar, whatever you want to do, or over to a friend's house for a game night and not intimidate them by when you open it up and suddenly like a billion pieces come out, that sort of thing. Like you've really made it, and I know that you've done this, like those the, the casual gamers that are still down for playing a fun game and getting really into it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up, uh, you know, not intimidating people. There's definitely an element of someone's like, okay, guys, we got to play this game tonight and opens up this massive box with mm -hmm. 10,000 miniatures. And they're just... Uh, you know, I've been a part of too many nights where you just spend four hours trying to learn a game and then don't actually get to play. So it's, uh, I'm very much in the, the casual gamer kind of uh, quick start area. 
because uh, that's where me and my friends are, you know, because I, I think a lot of people just want to hang out as much as they want to play a game. So they don't want the game to completely dominate. Uh, and for the more hardcore players that like those big games, that's totally fine too. Um, you know, it's just choosing who your audience is kind of thing. Oh, And it's like, for me, I make games for people like myself who have very low attention spans. <laughs> and then, I mean, it's some of the best parts about this too, because you can go with something like Drinking Quest, which is super fun to have. Like, uh, we've done that at conventions to kind of pregame and get ready before we're going to go out there and, uh, 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 you know, hit the floors and have a little fun with that. But even when we, my wife and I, we ended up going to Yellowstone, gosh, maybe about five or so years ago, and we sat out in, you uh, Yellowstone sitting at a uh, at a picnic table and we played Haiku Warrior and it was like one of the best kind of thematic sort of things. We were out in the wilderness playing this game and having a fun time, but also just, you know, it was relaxing and it was a good way to, you know, pass a little bit of time. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, uh, Haiku Warrior would make sense to play in like a serene kind of forest. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I well, one of my backburner games right now, I'm working on a spiritual successor to that. So uh, maybe next time I'm on, I can tell you a bit about uh, about that upcoming. That, that would I would be super stoked about that, and that would be an instant uh, get when uh, if you put that one up on Kickstarter. But again, right now we are focusing on Cheese Factory. Like I said, up until July 14th, you can go ahead and get that on Kickstarter. Some of the best parts about that, and we also talked about all the stretch goals that you got going on. But you can add on a bunch of different games after backing as well. Some of the ones like Your Friend is Sad, Heck, which we mentioned earlier, Reap, um, Newfoundland Jam, and then also Lenek Beard. Deluxe, and then the old red box for drinking quest old habits. I love all of it, man. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks so much. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. I've been able to build up a catalog of all these uh, 3 a.m. ideas over the years. Now, and that's one of those things. You said 3 a.m. ideas, and I was just thinking about this because all of the games you have, I mean, they do, you know, are based around like engines or building or something like that. You have the basis for them, but do you, is there like a way to get into mood for like designing games? Do you like put on some music? Like, I, this is the time I need to focus and create a game. Is there like, like I said, like, is there like music? Is there a show or is there anything that gets you into that creative mode? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it's basically uh, everything starts with, like, the seed of an idea. Uh, so basically, since I do funny games, almost everything kind of comes from, like, a comedy hook. So I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if there was a game about this? And it's it's usually a particularly good idea if I'm like, okay, no respecting publishing company would put out a game like this right now. <laughs> uh, and so then, so once I kind of have that core idea, I kind of sit with it for a while. And, you know, after a few weeks, if I go back to them, like, okay, that's still a good idea, because sometimes they're not after a while. Um, <laughs> then it's just a matter of, okay, am I going to, you know, invest a year or two of my life into executing this idea? <laughs> um, so it, it's always it's always one one thought or one hook. And then if it continues to be good over time, then I, I decide to go with that. Um, so if anyone out there is looking to design or, you know, any kind of creative project, really, um, you know, it's just, you know, one concept or, or one seed and then sit with it and if it continues to be good then maybe follow through with it yeah and i you know i just love even just your online presence as well like you're one of the nicest people on twitter which i mean this day and age is kind of a, a, an anomaly in it it's in itself but you want to put out some positive stuff as you're going out there and it's always positive with you it's always fun and you know you're making fun games for everyone out there like this these are games 
for everyone. Like the age is like basically, I feel. I mean, like five and up is like perfect for uh, a lot of your stuff. And I mean, even with like something like Drinking Quest, you're like, we're not promoting the drinking aspect of it. You can play the game without having to worry about that part. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me. There's, there's definitely um, like proper. You know, I, I think 14 plus is the lowest I've done so far. Yeah. Uh, but usually it's for some mundane. You know, just being extra careful reason. Like, uh, like a, you know, definitely younger than 14 could play Cheese Factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, there there is the mentioned you know cheese arson in it. So I don't want to encourage <laughs> kids to light cheese on fire in real life or light machines on fire or whatever. Right. So. I, I'm just I'm just doing a bit of a you know basic due diligence. There. <laughs> Always the responsible game designer, and that's why I love it. Again, right now it is out there. Cheese Factory on Kickstarter until July 14th. Get the game, get those add-ons, get all those stretch goals, and uh, don't get that uh, that remorse when you're like, oh no, I missed all the fun stuff. And again, you can find stuff at JasonAnarchyGames.com or just look up Drinking Quest on Twitter as well. You can find him and uh, talk with the man with the biggest biceps in well. On Twitter, in board gaming, maybe in the universe? I think so. <laughs> Jason, thank you so much for being with me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm going to go do some bicep curls right now. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Jason. And really, seriously, check out Drinking Quest. Like I said, he is a great man on social media, a wonderful person, and a great person to uh, you know play his games. He's got a lot of fun games that we just talked about. Now, we do need to talk about Stranger Things. Vicky, I know you haven't completed it, Mm-mm. so good luck uh, navigating the internet for spoilers. I, I'm saving articles. I'm like, ooh, I want to. Wait, no. Yeah, don't Save read that. Save it for later. Yep, yeah, yeah, don't read that. Joe and I did finish it, yeah. so uh, good for us. <laughs> and I, I, I watched four of the episodes. I wanted to start five, but then I had to go to bed. You're, And that's the thing, too. These episodes are pretty long, mm-hmm. so it's like we tried to get through like two episodes in one day and we're like we can't it's like it was about an hour and a half long and then the last episode is an hour and 40 minutes so we're like this is movie level Mm -hmm. we'll just wait it out and see where we're going but the first part of Stranger Things season four is now Netflix's most watched English language series ever dang it already has 781 million hours viewed and it's only been out for about to uh, almost about three weeks at this point. The all-time list measures viewership over a show's first 28 days, so it already has surpassed Bridgerton Season 2 and Bridgerton Season 1, which were the big ones before, with 656 million and 625 million. This also puts Stranger Things at number two of the overall list for both English and non-English shows. Of course, the big one being Squid Game, which is still at number one with 1.65 billion hours viewed in its first 28 days. Days. Wow. I don't think that's ever going to be topped at this point in time. Maybe when Squid Game Season 2 comes out. That's almost double. Yeah. Or more than double. Right. And if you are impatient for uh, waiting for the Volume 2 to come out, uh, it'll come out July 1st. So fairly soon. I mean, we're looking at about 10, 11 days from this point in time. And one of the big fun parts about this, and I don't know if you agree or not, Joe, I felt that even though this is the quote unquote volume one and this one's only seven, you know, the seven episodes with the last two being the volume two, it still ended satisfyingly enough for me. It wasn't a huge cliffhanger. It answered some really good questions and it really worked with all the characters very well for me that it was still very compelling to watch even with the longer episodes. Oh, most definitely. 
And honestly, I was a little shocked to hear that the uh, last season's episodes would be like two and a half hours. Mm. Yeah. But after, you know, watching an hour and 40 minutes, I'm like, hey, you know, it's really not that long. <laughs> and, and that's the one thing that kind of surprised me as well. Like, I didn't expect it to hold my attention so much. I mean, it's nice because it's Netflix. And you're right. watching it at home. You can pause for bathroom breaks or whatever you need to do at that point in time. I can make some hats, crochet some hats for people. <laughs> Is that what you were doing? I was doing laundry, <laughs> paying bills, and then attempting to crochet until I broke my loom. Oh, no. I had a glue it together but i was i was doing that for a while see, see, it's a good way to do that you don't have to go into the movie theater and watch it but you know i do like even the newer characters now are super compelling i love eddie i think his character oh, i is, love him it's a good arc too because he he's got a lot of bravado but also there's a lot of self-reflection as you're going around this story and as it progresses well it's always like it's the you know don't judge a book by its cover yes yeah. he can be intimidating he could be a lot um, he is a stoner, obviously, and does some other stuff. A little bit of a weirdo, stuff. yeah. But like, even his uncle is like, he wouldn't do this. Like, he's, right? you know, he's got a heart of gold. Like, he he's a genuinely good person. We saw that with his conversation with, uh, I think, Chrissy. Yeah. The the first gal, um, just like how sweet he was. I mean, granted, that could have also been partially because you know might have a crush on her or something. Maybe. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it was just it was sweet. Yeah, I'm really happy. Also, the fact that they have such a big cast. Uh, that they're able to separate them into like at this three point three stories, well, and even at some point like four stories mm-hmm. that kind of merge back into it. So it's really good to see them going in between all of these without too much of a break. Like you're not like left wondering what one group is doing, and they don't forget about a lot of them. There are a couple of interesting things so far that we've seen uh, continuity error that they're going to have to yes. change, which is that uh, one of the Dates on one of the episodes oh. was March 22nd. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that is uh, Will's birthday. Uh. And they make super mention to it in, I think, season two. And the problem turns out to be is that everybody in the show and also the Duffer brothers forgot that this season kind of pivots around that date and no one remembers his birthday. Oh. Like literally, there's no mention. Like it's a date that every like happens in the show. Things are going on in this season, and nobody remembers his birthday. I know how to retcon it. Oh, how? Uh, just say when they moved over to the other side of the country. Basically, like we had to change our birthday so nobody could find us. Good call. That's how you can Possibly. retcon it. It sounds like the Duffer brothers have already addressed this, and they said they might, quote-unquote, George Lucas it. So they might just kind of overdub uh, the March for uh, uh, it to be said as uh, Joyce saying it as May, just so it is a quick way to kind of fix that sort of mm-hmm. thing. But the, nobody noticed that. There was a couple of little things like that, but so far, uh, so far, I really liked it. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with Volume 2. This is one where like, I saw the picture and the article, but I don't want to read it, so I didn't get it spoiled. Good job. But another continuity issue where, I, I, I guess at this point I could say it. Yeah. We, we saw this, I think, not this last... It's hard to tell because... All the episodes are so long; it's hard to tell which episode yeah. is what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when uh, we're rem- when Elle's remembering, or when we see the past, yeah, what had happened? You know, what had you? What have you done? What did you do? Um, remember, she had a friend from the Rainbow Room. Yeah. In like season two, you know, that taught her to be like bitchin' or whatever. Yeah. Like she was a part of that. Where? How is she not affected? How is she? You know, why is she still kicking it around? And it's really? kind of interesting too because they've really brought everything together when it comes down to the end of this, uh, the end of the season. But also, like, we don't see all of like her 
brothers and sisters mm-hmm. that escaped, mm-hmm. uh, like those very specific ones, like mm-hmm. the ones you're talking about, the ones that helped her kind of level up her powers. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. They're still going to be having one more season after this, so maybe we'll get a full closure mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. But they're writing it really well, in my opinion. By the way, as a girl who could be petty sometimes, I loved in her note that she gave uh, to, not Will, um, I keep wanting to call him Finn, but that's his real name. Oh, uh, uh, Mike. Mike. Uh, she wrote from L, and I'm like, oh, B. <laughs> Give it to that boy. Like, that's a Betty girl. She didn't write love L. She yep, wrote from. from. Like, oh, Betty. Yeah, right. I even had to scroll back. I'm like, wait, did she write love or from? <laughs> All right. So let us know how you feel about it. We're probably going to get into a deeper dive with Stranger Things. Maybe not so much until volume two, since it's coming up fairly soon. That makes sense. We can watch all of it and kind of take in this entire season, because, I mean, that's kind of where we're going to have to go with it. But for now, it is time for... The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got? Uh, so I think a while ago I talked about like the like movie moments, like right in the middle when something happens and it completely changes the whole movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, this is similar to that, but this is from CBR.com, uh, comicbookresource.com. Ten movie lines that changed everything. So going through the movie and then one line happens and it completely changes what the movie's about, what you thought it was happening... Everything in the world changes. Okay. And do you guys have any off the top of your head? I know this is kind of a harder one. Yeah, that is kind of a tougher one. Like I've got two. Oh, okay. really? Oh, the, obviously, the, the main one that comes to mind is from Star Wars 5, where Vader says, Luke, I don't know what the actual line is. I yeah, screwed yeah, up. yeah, 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 yeah. Luke, I am your father. It's, that's not the line. That's not the line. No, I don't remember. No, I am your father. No, yeah, yeah. I there am. was there no Luke right there. there you you go. Go. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is number two on the list. Right. Wow, there you go. Okay, good call. Yeah. Good, good answer. Good, good answer. answer. Good answer. answer. Good answer. 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 <laughs> what was your other one? Family feud. My other one is not one that I found surprising, but I thought people who weren't that big into the genre, which is a, uh, Avengers Affinity Wars, where Thanos goes, you should have aimed for the head, and oh. then snaps and, and then wins. pulls the snap. Yeah. That's See, a good one. That is a really good one. And I mean, that was the one, like, I remember, like, hoping that they were going to do that in the movie. And then when they did it, it was fun because I got to see it at a press screening. And I was able to see that before everyone else because there's only like 10 or 15 people <laughs> there. It was fantastic. And then I was able to go to the movie theaters knowing what was going to happen and then just watch the crowd and feel that moment where just the air is sucked out of the room and people are like ending, like, wait, you can't end the movie like this. My wife was pissed. She's like, I don't like this movie. I was like, do you not like this movie or do you not like because Thanos won? And she's like, shut up. (laughs) So yeah, absolutely. That was a big one on that one too. That's a good call. That's a good call. All right. There are two MCU moments in here, but that is not one of them. That is a good one. One is very recent, like very, very, very recent in its movie. Okay. So not a show. Don't get, get that out of your head. And the other one, let's say... You got to go to the very, very, very beginning. Oh, okay. Um, Literally first and last. Okay, okay. So maybe the first one. Well, the first one I'm thinking. I'm thinking Iron Man. Am I uh, there yes. on that one? Is it the I am Iron Man moment? No, because that oh. didn't necessarily. I mean, it did change everything, but it didn't put into play everything else that was going to happen as much as this. Okay, I just kind of figured that would be just because it was that one where no one ever gives up their secret identity, and you literally did in the first movie. This is in, the clue is, it's in the post credit scene. 
Oh, the Nick Fury? Mm-hmm. Okay, when Nick Fury starts uh, 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 getting people recruiting for the Avengers Initiative. The line is, I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. That yeah. is number one on this yeah. list. Yeah, wow. that makes a lot of sense, too, because then they're just like, oh, now they're going to be connecting everything. Right. And then it also it turns into now everything needs a post credit scene. I'm here for it. I mean, they did stuff with post-credit scenes before with, like, Disney. I know. I, I, I mean, I can't say for Pirates of the Caribbean 1, but I know pretty much every other Pirates of the Caribbean had a post-credit scene. Did they really? Oh, yeah. I didn't even remember that. Wow. Um, but I did like your uh, I Am Iron Man moment. That is a big one, too. Yeah. So what was the most recent one, then? Uh, the most recent one, you guys remember? <laughs> Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, I'll be honest, I kind of tried to forget that movie. Fair enough. The moment where everything changed, and this is kind of where I was like, really, this is what they're going to do. Oh. The line is, oh. Oh, I was going to say it was the Illuminati. No. Oh, okay. When Wanda and uh, Doctor Strange are talking, and he's like, oh, just bring America here. And they stop, and she says, you never told me her name, did you? Oh, yeah. And that was the thing that they hid really well because we didn't know who the main bad guy, bad person, bad whatever, the villain was going to be in the movie. I was disappointed that she technically was. Yeah. And we, I kind of thought, oh, it would be another iteration of Doctor Strange because they heavily alluded towards that. Or maybe even something like Mordo, which they alluded to in the first movie. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out to be Wanda. And it was like, yeah, it It, changed everything. Everything what I expected for the rest of the movie. And it sucked because, like, it basically made everything in WandaVision just... Well, it kind of did. And the problem with the movie was it had it inferred a whole lot of stuff. And it goes back to the post credit scene mm-hmm. of, for WandaVision because you see her with the Darkhold right. using all that stuff. And it was almost a throwaway line when they're talking about how the Darkhold corrupts. Like, yeah. there was just a lot of things that you kind of had to piece together yourself, mm-hmm. which I felt you, you needed to explain it a lot better. And it, I love that like, there was a meme about it where it's just like, imagine creating a family on Sims and losing it or the game, you know, malfunctions and you don't have that family anymore and going crazy and killing a bunch of people. That's exactly what happened here. Yeah. Uh, I did mention Pirates of the Caribbean and it is on this list. The first one, Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. And it's the moment where he says, I couldn't resist me. And this is when, you know, we see in the whole movie, Barbosa and his crew, they all are unde- undefeatable because they're cursed. They're undead yeah. pirates mm-hmm. uh, because they had stolen this treasure. And so he couldn't resist. He stole a coin. So he gets stabbed by Barbosa, and now he becomes undead as well. Yeah, that's right. So now he at least can like it can fight Barbosa. Like he has an edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I haven't seen this. It's one of those movies okay. that it's been made fun of and spoofed and everyone just knows the line. You don't even have to watch the movie anymore. You already know what's happening. Spoiler alert if you did not see The Sixth Sense. Oh, okay. If you haven't by this point, I mean, it came right. out well, like 96 or something, something stupid. I don't know when, but it was a while ago. So The Sixth Sense is a film about a therapist, Malcolm Crow, who helps the young Cole Sear who can see and speak to ghosts. Malcolm has his own troubles at home following a violent attack from a for- former patient months before, with his wife not willing to to so much as acknowledge his existence. But once Malcolm has helped Cole with his problems, Cole offers Malcolm some advice, speaking to his wife, Anna, while she sleeps. Malcolm does so only for Anna to say that she misses him. This is a crucial hint following the film's worth of fo- foreshadowing that Malcolm has been dead all along. Oh, I yeah. Miss, I miss you. Yeah. Damn, yeah. It's just like, ooh. 
I just there were so many things in that movie where it was like it didn't make sense as you're going along and watching it and then as you're like finally like you get to that reveal it was like I almost wanted to immediately rewatch it. <laughs> oh, yeah, to see Yeah, how, just yeah, so I could yeah. look at every little aspect of those things. <sighs> yeah. And they did a little bit of a flashback at the end of it to kind of mm-hmm. show some of those more poignant scenes, but it was still entertaining. You're like, "Oh yeah, He's never in the same room with her. Or if they are, she's never looking at him. Like, there's all these just, like, itty-bitty things the about signs, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, how about the, the, the line, get down? Can you guess what movie that's from? Get down. Hmm. Get down. No, I'm, think, I'm thinking of Jack Bauer in 24. All right. Um, <laughs> this line is said by Arnold Schwarzenegger in a movie. Get down. Get down. Get down. The T-800 Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Oh, yes, from T-2 when he says get down because you think he's there to kill again. That's right. And he's there to save, uh, I think it was John Connor, John Connor at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, just a great series. Even thinking about how they had him as a bad guy in the first one and then mm-hmm. he's a good guy in the second one. It's such a like totally it, normal thing to do in movies. Right? But man. And like you said, it's a perfect, suddenly it changes the entire what you're expecting mm-hmm. from the movie. It happens fairly early, but not early enough enough just to ruin it and i mean those that those are two great movies like back to back like you could watch those the rest of the terminator stuff mm. is kind of like me eh, maybe not so much you don't like reboot corona arnold schwarzenegger no find your cabin no i would like a cabin <laughs> yeah. i would love a cabin in the woods and maybe with the robot servant but also not one that has to sell drapes or whatever the hell <laughs> i mean know. at least your house won't have a draft <laughs> um this is one funny enough i still have not seen this movie mm-hmm. it is on my list it's just it's been a hell of a couple of years it's been kind of i haven't really had the urge to watch anything kind of dark or dark <laughs> <laughs> something that's gonna weigh heavy on the soul i did watch the batman and even that like i think was good, the, as most as i was wanting to push the line yeah but this is joker oh have you guys you've seen it right? yeah i've okay. seen joker yeah i mean that was one of those ones where i saw it once and realized i don't ever need to see it again oh okay. yeah i'm trying to think of that pinpoint moment that is the, the kind of where the flip the switch is flipped uh it's the moment where sophie dummond played by i think zazie beats mm-hmm. uh says your name's arthur right and i've i've read i've seen spoilers and read it so i know what what kind of going on it but it it seems that like he was like he thought they were in a relationship or something like that, oh, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That entire time he thought that he was in a relationship mm-hmm. with her and that they were, yeah. Uh, it was like it was a budding relationship yep. where she came and all that sort of thing, like and uh, came to his house or he went to her apartment, something yeah. like that. And yeah, every he because he had thought that every other interaction was actually a hallucination of Arthur's. Which when she says that, it's like oh. Yeah, like, nope. His head's not right. It's the realization of the uh, the the false narrator story uh, stereotype mm-hmm. or storyline sort of a uh, uh, way to tell what story, and that was something I wasn't I never even thought of before. Um, but it is a great film technique that uh, has been seen in stuff like again like uh, Taxi Driver, where it's a it's real influenced mm-hmm. by the movie as well, or even like Birdman, where it's like you don't really know in the sense of what's real and what's not. Yeah, you don't necessarily know what is real. Like, is he really a superhero or is he not? The False narrator is so good in books, and it's rarely done well in movies because yeah. you get to see so much more. Mm-hmm. But man, they do do a good job of it in Joker. A good one in the books, and also in a movie, the, uh, it was a good translation of both book to movie was American Psycho. Oh, oh yeah, I was gonna yeah. say Fight Club. If that Fight Club was really good yeah. as well as with that too. Both both book and movie did mm-hmm. it very well, and somehow those ones were able to translate it. 
All right. Uh, I'm just going to go through the yeah. rest of them. Mm-hmm. Number five is Houston. We have a problem by Jim Lovell in uh, Apollo 13. Yeah. And I feel that if you knew, uh, if you were like a science nerd or a space nerd, you would have known what was going on with it. But a lot of people didn't. It so that was a big one. Yeah. It was definitely a shocking change in the mood. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, number four, if you guys have seen Frozen, which. Negative. No. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> So surprise, surprise, like there is a prince you see in the beginning of the movie. I'm going to spoiler it because one, it's, you know, almost yeah. it's 10 years old almost. Yeah, that's and fine, yeah. You guys don't care. Uh, but Anna meets a guy on the first day. She's like, I'm going to marry this guy. He's amazing. We finish each other's sandwiches. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> and at the very end, she's like, I need a true love's first kiss in order to, you know, cure my, myself from what's going on. And he goes, he's like, oh, you know, he needs to be somebody that loves you. But he says, if only there was someone out there who loved you. Ugh. He wasn't actually in love with her. He was like 11th in line in his kingdom, like after all his brothers to be king. Oh, he wanted to so be king So he wanted to be else. king. Yeah. And he's like, I can marry her, kill the sister, and then kill her. Jeez. That was basically what was happening. I know it's Frozen, it's Disney, but he was actually a cold-blooded villain. He, well, was, he tried to kill Elsa. You got to start off uh, your go-around dark and yeah. But it's like, oh, look, he's going to save her. Oh. Oh, no. They did it. Yeah. Uh, another uh, Bruce Willis one is when he says, Mr. Glass, David Dunn in Split. Yes. Oh, I thought you were going to say, yippee ki Okay, no. That doesn't change the tone of the movie. That just adds to the, uh, gravita- the you know, gravitas of that movie. Yeah. And that was the big one, too, was like the whole Mr. Glass reveal with that one. It was another good reveal from mm-hmm. M. Night Shyamalan. It was really solid. I really enjoyed it. I hadn't gone back and watched any of the uh, the, the sequels or anything along those lines I, with I've it. I've seen... I keep only getting to like halfway to through Mr. Glass or Glass the movie. Yeah, Glass, yeah. And I haven't watched the rest. Split, I know it's going to be really great because um, I'm blinking on his name right now. You know, he's my future ex-husband. It's not Fassbender. It's the other one. No, it's... And it's not, I keep, <laughs> James my, McAvoy. Thank you. I, yes. My brain kept saying Malcolm McDowell. I'm like, what? No, no not Malcolm McDowell. Really, That's weird. kind of interesting. Uh, no, uh, but McAvoy is a phenomenal actor in the, the range he shares in this. Yeah. Um, but at the very end of Split, spoiler alert, you find out, I think it's, uh, uh, I'm blinking on his name, uh, Bruce Willis's character goes in. Dunn, David Dunn. Dun, I couldn't, doesn't he have like a superhero name too? Yeah, the, well, uh, uh. Unbreakable Man or something? No, yeah, it was something remember. like. Trenchcoat Man. Yeah, it was something weird. Yeah, Gordon's Fisherman sort of thing. Something. I don't know, he wore this wearing slicker, I don't know. Anywho, but yeah, he saves the day and then we see Mr. Glass from, uh, the movie Unbreakable. Yeah. And then we get Unbreakable, or the Mr. Glass movie, Glass. Mm-hmm. And I already said number two, which was, no, I am your father from Vader, and I am here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative yeah, for number some, one. Some pretty big ones on that. Uh, I know that there's a lot out there also, so I'd love to hear some suggestions on what people feel is their big turning point stuff. I know. I got to think about it. like Because there's know, a yeah. lot of them that you're like, <gasps> right? oh. But let us know. And until next time, stay nerdy. <laughs> <laughs>